0: What's going on hockey fans? Welcome back to casing the league here on Believe Network. I am your host Casey Hudson joined by a very special guest, Ryan Hedger from the Columbus Dispatch. And as you guys know, here on casing the league, we bring you all NHL topics, hot topics, and most importantly, NHL best bets. And now that we are at the end of the fir- of the 2023 or 2022-2023 season, it's time to talk about futures and it's time to see where these teams are heading and how they are formulating as they prepare to take on the 2023-2024 season. But as you all know, We don't talk about best bets without talking about who Casing the League is brought to you by, which is Bet Online, your number one source for all of your championship finals, info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup finals, which have passed. BetOnline is your sports intel headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all of your insider sports waging needs from basketball and hockey to MLB, UFC, and boxing. And you guys definitely want to check out all of the MLB information up right now the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home get into the action today head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code believe that's b l e a v to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts now, after I get all of that out of the way, Brian, how are you? Thank you again for joining me after we met at the Press Box forever ago.
1: <laughs> seems like it, Seems like it, right? A forever ago, like many, many, many things have happened since then. That was only like, what, like five months ago or four months ago, something like that? Down yeah, I think it was
0: like freshly top in the year. Yeah, somewhere in January, I want to say. It was before All-Star Weekend. I remember that much. Um, yeah, I'm wearing my, we wear my,
1: my lightning blue here for you, you know. <laughs> I thing. appreciate
0: that. That's it's close. It's a couple shades off, but we can pretend it's lightning blue. There you uh, go. Well, I'm still well, in mourning.
1: Yeah, exactly. What is it? is it? What's the official color? Is it like it's it electric blue? Is that what it is? Oh, it's
0: almost like royal esque. It's like a darker royal blue. I guess electric blue okay. would be closer. And, you know, I,
1: colors these days have like like cutesy names and things. You know, like okay. the what's its Crayola name, I guess I would say. Like what's what's the lightning? Oh term? The Crayola
0: name would be Electric Blue. Blue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go with Electric Blue. That's what we're going to do.
0: Or Heartbreaker Blue. I've seen a very extensive palette where it actually referred to it as Heartbreaker Blue. And I was like, well, that just kind of replicates my emotions for this season. But again, as journalists, we can't be too emotionally involved. I'm still working on that. Part for sure. Growing up in Tampa and covering your home team is very hard. So to to separate the two, it's just a consistent internal conflict I deal with. But Brian, I got a chance to know you. I love talking hockey with you. But more importantly, fans across the NHL as well as Columbus need to know who you are. So we do this uh, guest icebreaker. Kind of get a vibe for who you are. A speedy, skilled winger, a chippy, chirping center, a protective defenseman, or a quirky goalie. I feel like a lot of them speak for themselves, but where do you lean more towards personality-wise? I could always give examples of where my family puts me or our previous guest, Molly Walker, where she landed.
1: Where where are you at?
0: I am the chippy, chirping center. that's by That's by way of vote of my family, which I'm the youngest who had to, like— Endure all the suffering of older siblings. I had two yep. older sisters, and then we got a brother later down the line. So I was the youngest of four, and I had to take all of their personalities and combine it into mine. So now I'm the mean one, they say.
1: Wow. Um, I well, <laughs> I was going to it's, it's a tough choice. Like, what, what is quirky goalie? Does that mean somebody who's like kind of chirping at people as a goalie?
0: It's it's a combination of everything, it's more of the like goofy personality. The jokester, you've got unique rhythm to you, but also you can chirp and stand up for yourself when you need to. Like think Aiden Hill in the last two games of the series; he could put up the gloves if he has to, but he's also just the smiley, fun going guy most of the time. Yeah,
1: I think I'm gonna have to go quirky goalie, but only because I mean, I, I played—I uh, never played hockey, but like in floor hockey, I was always the goalie, and it, was okay. it wasn't—I it wasn't good at shooting the puck. Just, I just—I liked playing goalie. Um, and, I, and I always, it, like in Chicago, I worked in Chicago. Um, I always had a really good, like kind of friendly relationship with Corey Crawford. Um, and like he's, a. I mean, goalies are a little out there. That's what you're talking about. With the <laughs>
0: yes.
1: They're a little out yep. there. And what's, what's really funny is I didn't realize this until I started covering hockey. But um, like I... I, I'm sort of on that same wavelength with them. Like we, we, I almost always get along with the goalies, like Elvis here <laughs> and Jonas Corposalo, You know, when he was here, like I, I sort of get them, you know. But like I mm-hmm. also have part of me that's the chippy, chirping center as well. I, I, I would be more of a chippy, chirping winger though if I were a forward. I wouldn't be a center. I think I would be a winger who just kind of gets in your grill all the time. And, I love that. Yeah, like I so got like the forward best forward. of both
0: worlds there. You can yes. understand the goalie rhythm, but you can you can pull that chirper out of you when you need to. And on the on the wing side, okay. See, I love this because I feel like we get a chance to understand each other a little bit more. And the first time somebody was like, Well, what do you mean by the chippy chirping center? Well, the two way drive for one, but I could be a very calm, collected, chill person. And then as my mom put it, I could be the pit bull with lipstick. Yeah, it's yes. just it, it goes both ways. You gotta wear both hats sometimes. So There we go. I think we're both level, at least on the chippy and chirping, and hopefully we'll never be chirping one another unless our teams are playing against each other. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully this doesn't feel like a chirp when I ask you about the Blue Jackets 25, 48 and nine record, how that made you feel in terms of music. Is there a song? They can come to mind, they can describe the 2023, the 2022 to 23, I'm already a year ahead, season yeah. <laughs> for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Heading into this previous season, there was excitement because of Johnny Goodrow. There was excitement of how things will pan out because he was, what, a 115-point guy. And the acclimation period, of course, needs a little more time or a little less time, depending on the guy. And then him aside, you got Patrick Lane, who hasn't really played 80 games since he was with Winnipeg. So how would you encompass this previous season in a song?
1: This is a tough one. Because um, when I looked at it, I started thinking, um, I think I'm going to choose a song that, uh, well, I, like the one I picked was more about kind of being a Blue Jacket overall. You know, and that, and not necessarily just this season. And I was actually going to pick the. Uh, my my son is into like acting and stuff now, so I'm actually going with the original Broadway production of School of Rock, and it will be the song um, "Stick to the Man" because oh, I love this,
0: it. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: because like this is like everybody else in the NHL to the Blue Jackets is the man. And they always get it stuck to them. You know, they, they, they're one of the only teams to fall in the draft lottery this year. Uh, their pick is the one that Kevin Weeks accidentally leaks out early. You know, like people forget <laughs> that we even exist here in Columbus, you know, like all the time, over and over and over again. So I think that I would pick stick it to the man, especially after like going forward um, after last season, um, you know, they – it was a tough season obviously uh but yeah. but I feel like there there was a lot of um there i mean there was just a ton of injuries as well, you know, like Patrick Riley mm-hmm. was injured in the first the second period of the first game of the season, and like there was a the first of three injuries, so him and Gaudreau never like really developed chemistry and and all that, so that was a tough season, but I feel like they they kind of have their backs up a little bit you know about mm-hmm. about and like looking forward and everything. They just apparently hired Mike Babcock. They're they're like trying to, and they brought in a couple defensemen. So I think next year and just kind of going forward, um, they're going to be trying to stick it to the man.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that so much, especially because you're not wrong when you mention the fact that it's kind of overlooked. The Columbus Blue Jackets. I had a friend who was asking me about hockey, and they're newly getting into it because of my job specifically. So I, I I appreciate the effort. But they made a comment about like, Ohio has no hockey. So something, something, something. And I was like, "Mm, I don't think that's accurate. (laughs) I think there's (laughs) a place called Columbus. Columbus. And look, while it's not the prettiest record, they still had some extremely entertaining games where you were like, wow, this team has a lot of potential if and when putting the pieces together. So you mentioned something that I think is probably important to start creating space for Johnny Goodrell and then alongside Patrick Lane. And I had this one specifically because when you and I initially talked in the press box, uh, I think the Columbus blue jackets were heading into their first power play of the night. And you were so insightful on describing how both, Goodrow and Lane like have theirs have the same sweet spot, the same sweet circle on the ice. So which one of them was going to have to readapt in order for both of them to be effective and uh you know make that power play strike hot? And that was kind of an issue. Special teams were struggling a little bit, but I think it was more of an identity crisis. And as you said, health playing a huge role in all of this. There wasn't enough time for everyone to kind of find their cohesion. And their role. How do the Columbus Blue Jackets move forward into this upcoming season, creating space for Johnny Goodrow to be an effective player like he was for the Flames and then to allow Lane to be the guy who he was, you know, point streak wise or game attendance wise with the Jets and putting up the numbers that he can through, I don't know, 30 something games.
1: Well, um, you know, there's good news here for Blue Jackets fans who are watching because uh, as the season. So after you and I uh, talked in the press box uh, down there at Amelie Arena, um, you know, the season obviously goes on and they they were still kind of fighting that issue you're talking about. Um, But a couple things happened. So one was line A finally got got healthy, healthy, like for a little while. And and, and they got um, time to play together and kind of figure that whole thing out a little bit. Um, And then also uh, Adam Boquist got healthy as the, uh, like he, once uh, Zach Wierenski went down 13 games into the season, he's your number one power play guy, runs the point. Um, But he goes down 13 games in the season. Boquist was already out at that point uh, with a broken foot. But when he comes back, um, I, it was something very interesting developed, and that was, I mean, he's a really good offensive player, uh, offensive mm-hmm. defenseman, and but he's a right shot, right? So he's a right shot defenseman. Line A plays the left. He likes taking that one-timer from the left um, circle with the right-hand shot, let like the Ovechkin office or whatever. And then Goudreau's a left-hand shot, and then he's the one that kind of has to make that adjustment you're talking about and go over to the right side. But what happened was Boca was started kind of – just really massively developing in the um the power play area. There was a point, I wanna say it was from like, I want to say it was like mid to late January, all the way to like March. They were I, when I looked at, it, they were like it was the top two in the league in power play. And people don't wow. realize this. I mean they were <laughs> hot. Um, and it was Bokus was moving the puck around and and he was it with his right hand shot it was easier to get a pass over to Line A quicker and faster for a one-timer, then, you know, when, when you have a left shot over there, the guy's got to move his body a little more. Right. or send like a backhand kind of over that way. Um, and, and, and Goudreau doesn't really have a one-timer per se, um, even though he's in that, like, he's got an offhand on the right. He doesn't really mm-hmm. like taking one-timers. So that would be like, if you had a guy on the right who really liked taking one-timers, then it would be great to have Wierenski with a left-hand shot feeding that guy. Right. And then in right. that kind of, thing. so, you know, it all, it's fun. Power plays, all, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch, uh, because mm-hmm. when you start to understand how it all works, like the, you get to watch the lightning, you know, uh, like a, <laughs> it, and, and, and the power say,
0: play at home is something to watch. That's for sure. Oh,
1: it's amazing. And like, and, and like, that's, what they do is what every other team in the league is trying to do right like they got guy they have they have five options they, they do yeah. and and they use them perfectly so other teams are trying to mimic that i think a couple of things happened uh like i said focus was one the other one was um they uh the associate coach pascal vincent who we don't know if he's going to stick around yet or not his name was kind of kicked around as a possible um replacement for brad larson here and then he right. was also he's also interviewed a couple other places very brilliant hockey mind if you ever get to you know talk to him he is really good um but anyway he put uh, a rookie kirill marchenko in
0: mm-hmm.
1: he put him in the bumper role and like that he had never played that role before but really what you need there is you guys see down in tampa you need a guy who can not only distribute the puck a little bit like Braden Point. You need a guy who can get a fast one timer off. It doesn't
0: have to be, yep. you know,
1: nobody who's going to be like, whoa, like, you know, lining <laughs> up the
0: stick flex. Yeah, because it's telling. And the minute yes. they see that, then they load up on you defensively.
1: If, and if you can get a one timer off, even a half one timer, like a real quick one from the slot, that's the most dangerous ice or area on the ice to score from is right between mm-hmm. the circles, right? So that's what makes to me, that's what makes Braden Point, among other things, like such a threat. But like Marchenko can do it too. And so like he made him a and so when you get you now, you're getting more options, right? And now it mm-hmm. takes less more pressure off of Line a and Gaudreau. And so at the same time that those things were happening, Line a and Gaudreau started figuring things out a little bit. And right. and I think what they've done. If you watch them, they interchange like like just doesn't, doesn't just camp in the left circle like he used to. He mm-hmm. kind of moves around. Sometimes he'll be at the point. Sometimes he'll be on the right. Gaudreau will be at the point. Be will be on the on the left wing. Like they, so, you don't really know where they're all going to line up. And I think that's the, that un- you know, that unpredictability. I guess you'd say is yep. it kind of made them better.
0: Absolutely. And it helps the quicker that they can adjust. And you actually pointed that out in the middle of that game. You were saying that if Lonnie can do that more, if he could become better acclimated of positioning himself differently on the ice and getting comfortable there, this team can start to develop. So as you mentioned, we had that conversation back in January. You start to see those hopeful streaks. And as you mentioned, Blue Jacket fans, something to look forward to heading into next year. Now I'm so glad that you mentioned this guy. Marchenko because I had a question about the younger players that will probably have a larger expectation on their shoulders heading into the upcoming season and I love that you mentioned Marchenko because he did he showed glimmers of a guy who can really grow in this system I mean through 59 games 21 goals 25 points then you also have Johnson 24 assists helping out in that assist column was so crucial for a roster that just started to face injury after injury after injury footy I thought had a pretty good um Moments here and there, and then you had Blankenberg with 14 points through 36 games. Can you kind of talk to us about the younger players that showed that they can take maybe a few larger roles heading into the 23-24 season?
1: Absolutely. That you know, you you, you touched on you know a, a number of them. I mean, it, that's the thing with this team, and and that's what makes things so exciting around here is that um, there is talent coming. That there's talent already here, and it's developing. There's also talent that's coming in the pipeline as well. Um and and that those are all things that, that Blue Jackets fans should be really excited about. I mean, Marchenko, well, first of all, it, he is uh what Kent Johnson one time we were, we were in the uh, locker room. This is just to give you a sense of Marchenko's personality, right? Like he is like the guy <laughs> is never not smiling and he is always like like kind of laugh. He's the first one where if there's a scrum going on somewhere else, He's the one sneaking up with his Gatorade bar, like his, uh, what is it? The bio steel that they have now. The yeah. Bar. And he's like in there. And then his only question to his teammate is, do you like p- playing with marchie Do you like playing with marchie You know, like that kind no. of thing? Oh
0: yeah. oh, yeah.
1: Every time. It became like the most popular question in the locker room. And it was always <laughs> asked by Marchy, right? Like it was always asked by him. So that's kind of who he is, and it was funny because he's always smiling. And he and Kent Johnson are very interesting because those guys don't leave the like you have to forcibly make them leave the ice after practice. Right. They're, they're like it's time ready.
0: to clean up, boys. Let's go.
1: They, well, and they love it. Like like both of them will watch NHL Network, right? And they'll see some other player do some crazy move, and the next day at practice, both of them are out there trying to do the move. You know, and they're all like, "Yeah, I can do that." I can do this. I can do that. I mean, that's that's really exciting. That that that's a passion for the sport. So we're talking to uh, like someone's talking to Marchenko at one point, and Johnson kind of looks over and says, "He's like, yeah, he's kind of like our Danny Rojas, which is oh like gosh. the
0: yeah, yeah <laughs> like lasso.
1: The, the, the lasso reference, right? He's our Danny Rojas, you know, like hey, football is like,
0: life. Hockey is yeah. life for him. <laughs> Hockey is
1: life for him for sure. And so it's it's honestly in a season like they just had. To have a guy like that in the locker room was huge. It just to, to help keep everyone's spirits up, you know, it, the losses are mounting and everything. But it helped having certain guys like that around the locker room who just enjoy playing the game. So he's a name to really watch. Like, and, and he's not just a smiling face. The guy, um, I mean, he's like a smiling face assassin. Like, he'll, he'll put the puck in on you. He, I mean, I think he will score 40 goals in the NHL at some point. Um, he, wow. he was on pace for, as a rookie for like a, over a full season for over 30. And he ended up with, I think it was like 20. I don't have it off the top of my head, but it was around 21 goals or 22 goals or something. 21,
0: ended, right on the mark.
1: Yeah, it was 21. And I, I think he only played like 50 games or something. Like, I mean, yep. it, it, it's kind of crazy. Like he didn't come up until early December. And then he's just putting it and then he starts off and it was like 13 goals, no assists, you know, and, and people are making jokes about how he's trying to win the Cy Young Award, you know, like 13 and, right. 0 and all that kind of stuff. So he's one to watch. Kent Johnson is another one. They mentioned him. Um, that's a name you're going to have to get to know because like he will he is going to be a force in this league. Um,
0: he was a sweet surprise.
1: He was, and like the, I was there the night um in uh, at Nationwide Arena when he pulled off the, I like to call it a lacrosse move because I went to Michigan State, so I don't like to really call it the Michigan, but it is the oh. Michigan.
0: Oh yeah, it's the <laughs> Michigan,
1: Michigan. You know all about college rival, rivalry, Yes.
0: So. Uh, Especially but I, when it comes to Michigan and Michigan State hockey. Heck so. yeah.
1: So, but <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, he pulled off the Michigan, and, and honestly, it was a cool. It was a really cool moment. It was against the Islanders, and he—he he, it was—it wasn't a hot dog move. That was—that was what made it so awesome. He rips the puck from a guy in uh, in the um, offensive zone. Like they, it was a turnover. The Islanders had it. He rips it from him. What goes around the wing, puts it through his legs to get around a guy in the corner. Goes to the back, and an all in one fell swoop, he picks it up and does the the Michigan and scores. <laughs> And it was like, what just happened there? Like, oh my gosh. And so you see it on replay and you're like, that was an amazing hockey play. And it wasn't just a hot dogging thing. And And um, to
0: triple check for the name on the jersey. Because I know when I saw it, I was triple checking for his name on the jersey because the Islanders may have not had the best season for their roster, but they do have quality goaltenders. So to do that, At his age and time in the league, I was just like, who the heck just did this?
1: And what was cool was, uh, and he didn't know this, but like it was the, I think it was the, to the day, it was the 27th anniversary of the first Michigan goal scored by Mike Legg at the University of Michigan. And so it was like, it was on the day of the mission like that the Michigan goal first happened. 27 years later, he pulls that one off in Columbus, Ohio, (laughs) which is like Michigan's like huge rival, obviously Ohio state. So it was really cool. It was a neat moment. So just for him to be able to do that, I mean, he does it so incredibly like he can just pick the stick or the puck up at any time that he wants. He's playing, um, he's on a team, um, this summer, it's like a inline hockey team, like, you know, rollerblades or whatever, like, or hockey out in Western Canada and his team, he's got him. He's got Connor Bedard is on the team. The who's like going to be the number one pick in the draft. And then also Andrew crystal is on the team. He'll probably he'll probably be a first round pick as well. So, yep. um, and they're not, they're actually not even like, like they're good, but like there's other teams that are even better, which is kind of silly, but the, there was a video that was going around of Kent Johnson. He actually picked the puck up on the rush and yeah, he like picked it up on the rush and uh, with his rollerblades and everything, and just score like stuffed it in that way. So I'm like, what? I'm wondering, if, I'm wondering if he's gonna be able to do like try that move, like in a, <laughs> a breakaway or a shootout or something. I don't know if can he do it in the shootout. I don't even know, but you know, we're gonna find out. I think because this the
0: possibilities. Be-
1: yes. Uh, real quick, uh, for I know we want to move on. Um, uh, keep the name Igor uh, Chinnikov in mind as well. Uh, he was. Okay. He was he was he's a winger. He has a wrist shot that I think it averages in the low nineties mile per hour. Like it's pretty incredible. Like, he, yeah. Like oh he my can,
0: gosh.
1: he was in Finland and like when they're in Finland to play Colorado and they were doing a clinic with like uh you know young Finnish players and the blue jackets were hosting this clinic and everything. So they had a, a radar gun out and they were like, let's well, see how you, you know, hard you y- y- can uh, shoot it. And apparently I, The stories I heard from Blue Jackets coaches and you know staff members is that he approached 100 miles an hour with his wrist shot, like it was around 90.
0: Insane. Yeah,
1: it's like he can freaking shoot the puck. He can really shoot it. He hasn't really blown up yet, you know, as a like a breakout type thing. But he was kind of on his way. And this will be his third season. If he can stay healthy, he had a bad ankle injury like halfway through and that cut out the rest of his season. But he was on the way to scoring probably 16, 17 goals. You know, wow. something like that. And so I think that, you know, if he he starts figuring this league out and using that shot, like in finding areas to get it off in, in dangerous areas, he's going to score a lot of goals, you know. And Yeah. And He's going to be an impressive guy for them as well. So you got him. You still have uh, Cole Stillinger is another one. I did we didn't mention him yet. He's a center. Had a really tough season last year. Scored 16 goals as a rookie though when he was 18 years old. You know, so he's got potential as well as a center. Um, they got him in droves. They're coming. You know, Adam right. Bilk, Adam is still only 23 years old. You know, it's like he's not old. I
0: Forget that. I um, definitely forget and- that. I'm not going to lie.
1: Yeah, well, because he's been around forever, right? He's been around mm-hmm. for a while. I mean, he was up at like 19 or whatever. Um, and then they're hoping, I think they're hoping that um, their number one, pick, their first round pick from 22, David Yurichek, as a right-handed shot defenseman, they're hoping that he can make the NHL roster this year and, and kind of contribute that way. So they've got a lot of talent coming. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it takes time to develop this stuff.
0: Yeah. And you never know when that development's going to happen. They might need a season. They might need two seasons. They might just need a summer or the right training camp, but definitely no rush here. The more information you want to give, I am all for it. But as you mentioned, the blue line, that's definitely one of the topics I was very excited to get into with you because you guys acquired, uh, um, Damien Severson. I love (laughs) what I saw out of him towards the end of the devil season. Um, I think in the right system, he can produce that much more. And something that made me that much more excited about this particular pick was I started looking through, obviously, the health of the Columbus Blue Jackets. There was not many guys that were even able to play 70 games. There was only two defensemen that played 70-plus games for the Blue Jackets. And out of the top six defensemen, they combined for 122 points, 93 assists, and just one power play goal. And I know at least for – us in Tampa Bay our defensemen play a huge role in in that in the power play and setting things up and anchoring at the blue line. So now getting a guy like this, who's coming over with one power play goal. Um, and let's see through 81 games, he averaged 19 minutes and 57 seconds, seven goals, 26 assists, 33 points. And he sat at a plus nine, which I love because I chose that there was offense generating while he was on the ice. Can you talk about this acquisition and kind of where they need to build and grow on their blue line?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, before I do, though, I will say that you, uh, Casey, were the one that uh, kind of uh, shed the light for me on Uh, perfect, uh down yes, there. Yes, I love in, him. Uh, I, I'm telling you, like, because we were talking and you're like, oh, this guy's, you know, this and this and that. And I started watching him and I'm like, wow, this guy can really play. Like, he, he's really good. So I watched him the rest of the season. I was very impressed by Perbix. I think they got, they got themselves a gem
0: down there in, in him. And people don't. I'm talk so excited him. for his upcoming season. No. And yeah. then he went to USA hockey and he showed that much more that yep. he's the kind of guy why I got excited about Purbix. It took me two, three games to fall in love with his game. Because you saw somebody that was able to make the smallest adjustments very quickly game by game. I can't say that there are many games that Perbix had that were identical to one another. He increased every single time. So seeing that, seeing somebody who's developing in an a system and being able to make those quick changes, I know everyone talked about his hockey IQ, but it's one thing to see how long it takes for him to apply his hockey IQ game by game. So I think Perbix is going to be fantastic. My rant yeah. again about Nick Vermix. <laughs>
1: hey, you're, you're not wrong. I like him a lot. Uh, and I watched him the rest of the season. I, I was really impressed. Um, getting back to Severson, it is interesting. So they – so Severson was actually the second uh, established NHL defenseman that they got within a 72-hour window. They pulled off two trades. They ended up getting Ivan Provorov as well from uh, the mm-hmm. Philadelphia Flyers. They got him first, and obviously that was um, a controversial move uh, yeah. in a way because he yeah, didn't wear the pride jersey and, and things like that, uh, citing you know, religious uh, reasons and things. Um I know as a defenseman, uh, I think that I, I would expect him to have a bounce back year. Uh, not, he wasn't bad with Philly, but Philly mm-hmm. was not was also not a very good team. And um, you know, the guy has a lot of potential on the ice, and he's a left hand shot. They were looking to replace. Uh, what they lost in um, Vladislav Gavrikov. They traded Gavrikov because they felt Gavrikov was asking too much, whatever, or too many years or something. And so they traded him to the Kings. And then it's kind of funny how it worked out. It was like a three-way trade with like the Flyers, the Blue Jackets, and the Kings. And essentially the Kings are basically paying – like they're picking up – like 30% of Prohorov's uh contract because they oh, wow. acquired Prohorov in the deal and then traded him to the Blue Jackets. So they're picking up like 30% of his deal, so the Blue Jackets get a 30% discount. And then they also reached an agreement with um Gavrikov for 2 years at like 5.9. So it's almost it's almost like they're paying 7 or 8 million for Gavrikov. The Kings mm-hmm. are And the Jackets are getting Provorov, who they think is an uh, adequate replacement for Gavrikov at like 4.75 or something. Um, And then Philly gets just a ton of like prospects and picks and everything. So all three are happy, that kind of deal. So they got Provorov (laughs) for the left side of the second pairing and uh, where Gavrikov played. Uh, When everyone's healthy, and then they need, then they, then they address the right side, and like we're not sure yet where Severson will play, whether it'll be up with Zach Werenski on the first pairing, or you know maybe he slots in there as Provorov's guy on the second pairing. Either way, I mean, on the first pairing, if he's if he's able to play that spot, then that's kind of the Seth Jones, former Seth Jones position, where I don't think it, it never got talked about enough what Seth Jones did for for Zach Wierenski. And, mm-hmm. and like, and Zach's the first person to talk about it. So, yeah, it was a huge help. Because basically what he did was when they got in the offensive zone, he essentially like – Seth Jones would essentially say, like, yeah, I'll look for some offense, but I'm handling the defense. You make, make yourself a fourth forward and score goals, basically. And he did. He had, like, a 20-plus yeah. goal season. So when he goes, they've not replaced him yet. They've not figured out a way. So, like, we're trying to figure out – are they going to give Boquist an opportunity to get up there and play because he's a right-hand shot, righty-lefty? Mm-hmm. Like, can he play with Worenski? And if so, then Severson slots down with Provorov, another righty-lefty, and that's two veteran defensemen. It's like your shutdown pair, right? Like that yep. becomes like I like your shutdown pair. Worenski and uh, Boquist become like your your more top offensive, offensive
0: defensemen.
1: As long as they cannot, as long as they're not like you know, giving up. You know, scoring chances left and right. Uh, if you mm-hmm. if it's just average defensively, then you take the offense up there. And then the third pairing, you go down, you mentioned Blankenberg earlier. Uh, nobody yep. talks about Nick Blankenberg. This Blankenberg is a lot like Perbix in that nobody talks about him, but he's a pretty good player. Like he's he's yeah. he's built a lot like um Tori Krug, right? But but he's also he's also got some snarl like Krug, like he'll get India. And he he has no qualms. He's like, uh, what, what was what was our player uh, 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 descriptions that we had to pick from? It was like, the,
0: the, oh, the um, the chirpy, defenseman. yes, Protective defenseman, chippy chirping center, or the skilled, speedy winger.
1: Yeah, he's. I would say he's more of it. a chirpy protective defenseman, even though he's undersized. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Yeah, he, he'll get India. So, uh, you know, he'll probably be in the mix for the third pairing um, or who knows where it all shakes out. But like that's what it looks like on paper. You still have Erica Branson here. And it's, you know, it's an interesting thing because like there's a lot of Jackets fans look at the salary and they did. they They did overpay, you know, as far as what they what you're ultimately going to get, you know, from a production standpoint. But he is a veteran and he is. Really, really tough, and he's also a great locker room guy like he is he he helps keep the culture together in there as well, and he's going to going forward three more years good Branson. I mean, I've I've seen him skate to other teams' bench and invite the entire bench to fight him, and nobody comes. Out <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no,
0: happens, thank you. <laughs>
1: that happened like multiple times. fans would be like, "Well, he, did, he only had two fights. So what's he really bringing?" I'm like, "Well, he invited this entire team to he's fight." He's
0: trying, and
1: yeah. Right. And they're like, "Yeah, we're good. No, thanks." You know, he's a monster. You know, so I think talk about he,
0: winning the mental battle there for
1: sure and he, like he, we call him the sheriff like he's the sheriff oh, sheriff dubberson and he's your protective defenseman as well um but i mean he'll be on the third pairing as well and and they they've got they're loaded on defense really but but it's interesting <coughs> sorry they, um, they, there's a reason they got Proveroff. There's a reason they got Severson, right? Because they were so young. They are way too mm-hmm. young, and that's why they were giving up a ton of scoring chances because those guys are all trying to learn, and it's like they're all doing it at the same time, and yep. that, that's never a good recipe. you got to have some experienced guys in there as well. So, it's it like, Jackets fans should be excited that like they have really, really good talent coming. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't even talked about uh, uh, Stanislav Spozil, Uh, he played, he played for, um, or he was teammates with Bedard this past season in Regina, uh, in WHL. And he, he was a point, he was more than a point point a game, I think, as a defenseman.
0: Wow.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, he was really, he's a really, really good offensive defenseman. Again, another guy who's got to put on size and strength to make it in the NHL, but he'll, he'll get there eventually. Um, the cleveland monsters are going to have if they can keep them healthy they're going to have quite a blue line this year because they're they're loaded um and so wow. like yeah so like like again uh they're loaded on on the young d and so that's why they got the two veterans we'll see how it works out and see how that that pans out this year
0: Yeah, and the veteran presence is gonna help because as you mentioned, when you were describing the top line, whatever movements might come about for Wineski, it's the fact that you've gotta be able to free up those guys that can track back and play defense and contribute offensively. And if you don't give them an opportunity to do that, and you're trying to force an offensive defenseman to be a stay-at-home defenseman, you're not going to get the best out of them. And I think I saw parts of that when the Lightning were going through a bit of a transitional period in their D-zone, losing Ryan McDonough. Even though there's a lot of veterans back there, it's still the right pairing. It's still having the offensive defenseman, the lefty guy with the righty guy. You know, we're so so short on the right-handed shooters. Back when it comes to defensemen. So, those are all crucial movements to help. But you mentioned the guys that are going to make an impact. I really did like Linkenberg, and I think that he's going to develop very well. I mean, I think it was only through like 30 games. If you look at his numbers, Mm -hmm. besides the fact that he was getting scored on a lot because you see him trying to piece the game together as he's skating, once he gets through a solid training camp and stuff, he's somebody who's going to take that next step which pivots us over to are there any priority re-signings being discussed right now for the Columbus Blue Jackets? That's typically the top headline for summer situations. Yeah. Um, I know you guys are probably a lot more cap friendly than we are here in Tampa Bay, but is there <laughs> any co- any couple of names that come to mind when it comes to prioritizing guys that need to be back in a Blue Jackets sweater this season?
1: Isn't it the, the the whole rest of the league is better than you guys in cap? Usually everybody.
0: Every- everybody I don't understand how year after year it's like we are confined by cap restriction but magic is still made I will give that to Julian Brisbaugh every single time but now it's just the drama is getting to me because now we've got one of the faces of the franchise probably on the trade block here and that that one's a tough one to swallow for me I've covered the team for six years and he's been a part of every big moment for this team so we'll see yeah. the cap space is hitting me different this year
1: <laughs> yeah well um you know it's interesting I, I before i came to columbus i i covered the blue uh sorry i always get it's the bl that screws me up right <laughs> i covered the blackhawks uh from uh like 2010 to uh 2017 so they went through this, right? They're actually one of the first teams to go through the whole cap squeeze thing. And and it happened right away. They they won the Stanley Cup in 2010. And, like, I think a lot of people forget, like, they had Dustin Buffalo when he was, like, in his prime. And they had to, like,
0: oh, gosh. get rid of him.
1: They had um, – I mean, they had – oh, Chris Versteeg. They had to get rid of him. Like, they had uh, – who's the, the – I'm trying to slip my – my line is slipping. But they had a number of guys who were established players – were really good and they had to get rid of them because they just couldn't uh, meet the cap at that point. And so uh, for them to even kind of bounce back two years later says a lot and our three years later and win the cup again, and then two years after that, win the cup again, it, it can be done. And obviously the lightning are doing that as well. And, and so like, yeah, <laughs> um, free spot has done a, just an amazing job. I feel of, of, of managing a really tough cap situation. So I would expect that going forward. Um, but you know, Um, So getting to the Jackets, uh, they're actually, they are in a good good shape as far, in good shape as far as cap right now. I mean, Severson and Provorov took up, you know, a a pretty good cap hit, you know, between the two of them, but they did get the 30% discount uh, with the Kings (laughs) picking up 30% of Provorov. Um, so there's really no huge re-signings for this year. Like there's no UFAs where they go, oh, we got to make a decision on this guy. There's none that really are, you know, impact significant guys. Um, but July 1st comes and they, you, you start talking like, okay, uh, when can we re-sign Johnson? And when can we re-sign Sillinger? And all these other, like okay. these guys are going to be coming up. Sillinger's already going into his third NHL year. So like that's his, oh, wow. that's your ELC right there. Your entry level contract's already done after next year. So you're gonna have to figure that out and get a uh, you know get an extension for him because uh, I know obviously they want to keep him. He was a 12th overall pick. Um, you know Johnson. This will be his second. Well, well, this might be his third. I have to look this this stuff up. I should probably know it. But like
0: uh, <laughs> it's okay. summer burned. summer break.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, because he, he um, played his second year. They drafted him. He played a second year at Michigan. Then, after that season was over, he joined the Blue Jackets. I think that burned his first ELC year. So, last year, okay. I think it was his second one. So, I think technically he's also going into his third um, ELC year. I think I have to look that, that up. Yeah, but so, like, you know, they're going to have to find extensions for these guys. You know, Marchenko was 21, 22 when he came over. You know, like, so I, because he's even he the KHL. I can't remember if it was a two-year, like all this. Stuff, I have to remember if it was a two-year or whatever. But, like, they're, they're getting a number of guys. uh going to be another one, the guy we talked about with the good wrist shot. He's going into his third NH- NHL season. So, like, they're going to have a number of guys coming up who are young, who are mm-hmm. who are basically coming off their ELCs, and they're going to have to figure out, you know, ex- their first real extensions, or their first RFA contracts. And those right. are going to be really important Um because, you know, the, I, as you know, if you if you get the wrong numbers or whatever, it, it's a difficult balance because if you if you pay them too much, so to speak, um, then you're you're going to be in, you p- could be in a cap crunch. Right. Yeah. If, if you don't, then you risk like offending them. And maybe when they're like they're going to ask for trades or they're going to you know what I mean? Like the checkers yep. have through all this stuff before. So this is a really important time for the, like those young players, and and it'll be interesting to see you know how they work that out.
0: Yeah. And the time is now because I know for us, like when you start looking at guys heading into their third year or potential extension conversations, you know, like they're already starting discussions of Steven Stamkos' extension and where that's going to lie and how that's going to affect the numbers so that they know where these third year guys will stand and everybody else after the fact. So it's still a major priority. The number crunching never, never sleeps. But then that brings us to the most important conversation, at least for right now. We got the NHL draft coming up and there's these top four guys are in the discussion to go number three to potentially at this moment the columbus blue jackets leo carlson uh mitch kov will smith and then fan tilly um looking at these odds and i'll have to bring the graphic back up properly, but looking at these odds do any of these names sound like the better option that could potentially head to columbus at the third pick
1: well, it, it, it's obviously going to depend on on who goes second, right? So um, mm-hmm. you know, if, if Fantilli goes second, and that's what most people are expecting him to go second, I think if you're the, I mean, um, Yarmo has all but said that they're going to draft a center. Um, John Davidson, the president of hockey operations, has actually come out on the radio and said we're drafting a center, like a like a franchise type type center. So in my mind, that that eliminates Mishkov right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a dynamic player, but he's a winger. Um, and so then you got the other three, you got Fantilli, you got Smith, and you got Carlson. Um, if if Fantilli goes second, which is what most people expect, I got to think that they're probably going to go Leo Carlson. Um, and that's nothing against Will Smith. But Will Smith is a – there are people that are out there like, oh, he doesn't play in the defensive zone, he doesn't do this. You know, all the All the flaws per se come out when these discussions happen um but Will Smith is a dynamic player I mean I look at Will Smith as a taller version of like I was gonna say his
0: size
1: yeah well yeah but he's six foot you know like so he's a taller version of Patrick Kane only he plays center you know and I said the same thing about Logan Cooley last year Logan Cooley had a dynamic season for Minnesota I think he's gonna be a fantastic player too so
0: I love Minnesota hockey
1: Oh, it's awesome! Yeah, well, I like their uh, I like their logo myself. The, the you can't beat a hockey plane gofer <laughs> with a helmet. On, you know,
0: right? It's You're the kidding. helmet. It's the old school helmet too. They didn't. Oh, the
1: le- yes.
0: Yeah, the little leather cap. I love it. That's I the first should, hockey team I ever watched.
1: Oh, yeah. If I would have known that, I would have worn my Minnesota hockey T-shirt for you here. Like, I have the one with the gopher, and everyone's like, did you go to Minnesota? I'm like, no, this logo is fantastic. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me with this? You know, it's awesome. So, um, anyway, uh, you know, Cooley had an unbelievable season and led them to uh, almost the national championship. They are into the national championship game. I think he's going to be a dynamic player, and I, Will Smith is very comparable to Cooley. And I think that if you if the Jackets did pick him third, I don't think it's a wrong pick. Um, I just I, I you know the the Jackets' director of pro scouting is Josef Bumidian, um, and he is Swedish. He's he, uh, lived in Sweden all up until I think last year when he came over here to be director of pro scouting. Um, but anyway, he was, he's the assistant general manager of Sweden's uh, national team. And so at the Men's Worlds this year, the reason that Leo Carlson played top-line center, one of the reasons, one of the big reasons Leo Carlson got a chance to play top-line center, I was told, is that Josef Bomidian pushed for it and was like, hey, let's see what he can do on that top line. And he was, I think he was outstanding in that role. Mm-hmm. And so he actually played... Uh, against in the men's tournament as the number one center with uh, Lucas Raymond from Detroit and also Jonathan Berggren from Detroit. Those were his wingers. They were good. I thought they were good. And uh, like Fantelli ended up playing fourth line left wing. That's not to say he's not a center or anything like that. I'm just saying. I'm just using right. comps. Um, and, and so I, I don't know. I think Neil Carlson's going to be a dynamic force in this league. I really do. The more I wa- video I mm-hmm. watch on him – he, he's an excellent passer. He's 6'3". He's going to get bigger. You know, like, his, his like I keep seeing, you know, the player comps or whatever. His is NJ Kopitar. A lot of people look at him <laughs> as, like, NJ Kopitar. If you have a chance to pick NJ Kopitar, like, in the third overall pick,
0: I think you, you can- take him. Yeah. Yes, you take him.
1: <laughs> well, I just wrote a story. I just wrote this for the Dispatch. It's just one of those fun ones where it's like, you know, what if like a what if draft type thing? You know, like Blue Jackets drafting history. What if they'd taken this guy instead? And one of the, the most infamous, I guess you'd say, uh, instead of famous, the infamous ones here was, I think it was 2006. I'd have to look it back. It's either 05 or 06. Anyway, uh, Jackets are sitting uh, with the sixth overall pick. And uh, it comes to them; they're on the clock. Andre Kopitar is available—the actual Andre kopitar Kopitar—and the <laughs> general manager at the time was Doug McClain. and uh, he's talked about this openly on the radio as well. But basically, his scouts were at the table, like pleading, like, "Take Andre Kopitar! Like, we need a we need a center for Rick Nash. Like, remember Rick Nash? We need a yes. center Yes. And they never really found a true number one for him. So he's thinking, and they're like, please take him, please take him. And he's like, eh, "Hey, Slovenian or whatever. And, like, he he just – he takes Gilbert Brulé. And yeah. Gilbert, Gilbert Brulé, like, we can laugh about it now. He was having a great WHL season. So I understand that kind of thing. But, man, if they would have been able to get him, that's 17 years. Like, do they even trade Rick Nash at any point in Columbus if, if Andre Kopitar is his center for the whole time he's here?
0: No. Like, no. Like, <laughs> that,
1: one move, that one move sort of changes. It like could potentially change the whole history of this franchise. Maybe people actually know we have a team in Ohio. If we have, <laughs> Sorry, you know what I mean? Um, nope. Yeah, so I feel like if, that, if that's the true player comp for Leo Carlson, I think you got to take Leo Carlson there. So my yes. guess is Carlson, but we'll see. You know, like Will Smith's a dynamic player as well. And if, uh, if the Ducks, let's say they take Mishkoff, or if they take Mishkoff, the Ducks take Mishkoff. All bets are off now. Now it gets really interesting because you got Fantilli sitting there. You got Carlson. Mm-hmm. You got, I mean, you got your pick of like dynamic centers right there. You know, so right. It,
0: it opens up the field. I like Carlson as a fit too, and I never saw the the Kopitar comparison. But what I love about that is it from what I was reading and looking at in his plays and stuff, because of his size, obviously, that helps you create more separation. But it also allows you to draw in players to open up other players. So he can be used as a decoy, or he can be used as somebody who creates separations and opens those passing lanes to make things happen. And you said the perfect thing. He's only going to get bigger. He's only going to get stronger. So I just love him for a, a mix in of what's already happening on the Columbus Blue Jackets top line. It's really just the health. And getting everybody else um, acclimated and situated and finding their identity in this system. But you have called it Blue Jackets are not too far off from being remembered. Which brings us to the final topic and just some fun odds. Now, when looking at NHL futures, Stanley Cup, that's what it's all about, right? And... They're already talking about next year and who could potentially be lifting that cup. You got the Bruins as running favorites. You got the Vegas Golden Knights as potential back to backs. Avalanche on a couple I've actually seen leading the Chargers favorites. Maple Leafs, Boo, Hurricanes, so on and so forth. I had to boo them. I'm yes. still sorting through some things, but the conversation being here, the Columbus Blue Jackets sitting at plus 10,000 odds. What a Slightly bet. disrespectful. Slightly okay. disrespectful but uh here on casing the league we do cash it case it or cut it cash it means you agree you can understand where this evaluation came from case it means you got to do your own research because you feel like there's a better vantage point here and cut it means we don't do not agree with this it's not happening um so when looking at the stanley cup odds do you think it makes sense for the bruins vegas golden knights and Avalanche to be the top three potential teams to be hoisting the cup. And or do you think the Columbus Blue Jackets need a little bit more respect on their name after everything we just discussed here?
1: Well, I do think that they it well, that's a that's a good question because uh they 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 were one one point away from being the worst team in the league last year. And you can't undercut that, right? And and it's not it wasn't all coaching, it wasn't all whatever, it was a bunch of different things, it was a bunch of injuries. Mm -hmm. And that's the X factor, right? So you can look at the Blue Jackets and be like, "Oh, they didn't really, haven't really done anything significant yet. Yeah, yeah, they're still young. They're going to stink." Blah blah blah. That's fine, uh, and, and I understand that completely. But if they can get Line A to stay healthy for a full year, I mean, every time this guy has been healthy, he's a point game player. Like, and yep. he scored, and and it's like he got when he was in Winnipeg, his job was to score goals. Like he and he scored yep. goals in bunches, right? Um, here. He, he's become more of a, a, it's not a two-way player, but he, like he's a double threat that he can pass the puck. People forget he can pass the puck and score goals still. Um, like he's almost even, even like goals and assists mm-hmm. every time he stays healthy. So if, if, if they can keep him healthy, and that's a big if, uh, about a six foot five if, um, <laughs> I think, Um so if he can stay healthy and keep him with Goudreau, and if um, if uh, Goudreau, obviously, he usually stays healthy. Um, if Boone Jenner can handle certain things. I mean, there's all these ifs, right? But if right. the ifs, ifs, this sounds ridiculous, if the ifs <laughs> pan out in their direction, I think ten thousand's kind of crazy. Uh, uh-huh. you know, plus 10,000. Um, but I also don't see them as a cup contender uh, next year. You know, like it's yeah. probably going to take a year or two um, and the other X factor would be Mike Babcock, you know, like uh, right. lots of complaints for for completely understandable reasons, you know, from fans or anything about and, and concerns and worries about Mike Babcock and what he's been accused of saying and doing, you know, with Toronto and Detroit coming in with a, a young team, like a young impressionable team, that kind of thing. Like I, I get all the concerns. But I also see a guy who has 700 career wins. And I see a guy yeah. who is 12th all-time in the NHL in coaching wins. And you don't get there by just being a meanie, you know? Like you <laughs> – Like like,
0: you, like Torts? <laughs> yeah, well,
1: but Torts is a good coach too. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, he He's one of the all-time best as well. These guys don't – I mean, they have their own personality – things that you got to deal with and stuff but at the root of it they know what they're doing coaching they know about systems they they demand certain levels of performance or you're not going to play you know discipline things like that i if this is the what i i think that they're going to come out next year and you're going to see a whole different kind of blue jackets team now fans will complain and say well they play too defensive and you have all this offensive talent. That's what it was with the torts at the end. It was like, Oh, you're playing too defensive. You know what? I'd rather keep the puck out of the net personally. You know, I'd rather keep the puck out of the net and like try and win two to one or three to two instead of like chasing goals. And it's like seven to five or whatever. To me, that's Mm -hmm. not, you know, so I think you're going to see a more disciplined team next year with Mike Babcock uh, running things. Um, and and how much of an X factor is that in their overall record and how they're going to do? So like I think right. that's a question you got to ask yourself when you're looking at plus ten thousand. The yeah. other three, what was it? It was uh, was it, it refresh my memory? It was it was Boston,
0: Boston Bruins? It was Vegas Golden Knights to go back to back, and then the Colorado Avalanche. So you've got Stanley okay. Cup for Bruins at a plus eight hundred, Vegas Golden Knights plus nine hundred, Abs at that plus one thousand. Now the Abs, I mean. They put their entire season on the back of Mika Rantanen, for starters. If it wasn't for him, I don't even know if they could have talked about the playoffs because, you know, McKinnon was injured. They lost their captain who, you know, decided to have that offseason surgery. So who knows when he'll be back in the lineup. But considering health for them, I thought that they would kind of top the Boston Bruins. I know we talk about the president's trophy reverse curse now. That's a mouthful. Um, Yeah. But I also think that the ABS, if not for injuries, were probably going a lot further. I mean, it was Miko Rantanen and McKinnon that even gave them a chance to compete versus the Seattle Kraken, on top of Georgiev in between the pipes.
1: Absolutely. Um, I like the Bruins uh, a lot. It's it's gonna. Be, you start looking at the Bruins, and um, you would look at like Washington, or, like, uh, and and then the Penguins. Like those are the three. I was gonna say have, the Penguins. Yes. And because they're all aging, they like they really mm. there's no, you can't say it any differently. They're all aging, um, and so the question becomes. And we said the same thing about the Bruins last year at the beginning of the year, like, okay, is this older team <laughs> gonna be able to like handle? And they came out and just dusted everybody until the play, Very and then we three to one in the playoffs. If it wasn't for like you know Bob got like red hot basically and just ended that series, um, which was a credit to him, but you know you do have to ask these questions, right? Like, can they do it again? Like, can they do that again and be awesome and be ready for the playoffs and make a run? I think they can, but is it realistic to pick them one of the top three? I don't know. You know, um, (laughs) you know, let's look at, you know, honestly, I would put Florida in the top three. I would put Florida. Really? Yeah. Because even though they snuck into the playoffs and all that stuff, um, they're going to be a very motivated team, obviously coming back next year. I think yeah. the one thing that they proved, and they they did get outshot. Like, let's you can't we can't look at uh, our sugarcoat things as well. Either. They got outshot a lot, um, mm-hmm. and Bob was great like for most of it, and just the the wall kind of crumbled because it was just too much at one point in the final. Um, also, Kachuk got hurt, broke his sternum. Unbelievable They even played.
0: Ekblad broken foot. I mean, the injury reports were...
1: It goes on and on. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> uh, but when they're healthy, right, if they're healthy, I think they're... they're like, you look at a playoff team, um, to a typical playoff team, you want some grit and you want some grind in there and you want guys, You don't want it to just come from the fourth line. It has to come from guys like Kachuk and other players. Like, as the season went on and as the playoffs went on, it, it, I thought it became quite clear of what Bill Zito was looking for last year when he made that trade and everyone said you're crazy, you're trading Uberdo and uh, you know, um, yeah, who was the other defenseman it was uh,
0: um, why crap, I- they brought it up too there was a and- lot of, of anger over Uberdo but why is this other one Blanking, And I
1: can't believe I'm blanking on it because he's a really good defenseman. And I voted for – in fact, he was, like, one of my top five, like, Norris guys. Well, look, we can look it up, but – and you can – I know. This,
0: that,
1: <laughs> so we don't look like we don't know. But, uh you know, anyway, they, they traded two good players, like one really star player and another solid defenseman, um, to get Brady – or uh, uh, Matt Kachuk. Um, and, and I think everybody kind of universally looked at that and said, What are you doing? Like you're giving up this solid defenseman to make kind of a one for one trade with Uberdo and Kachuk. Well, Kachuk was like worth his weight in gold in the playoffs, you know. I mean he yeah. he was a massive reason, literally and figurative, figuratively, that they got through to the levels that they got through. So I like their team. Um, I like, I love, I love Montour. He was another guy I've heard, I think. <clears throat> oh, um,
0: he was insane this playoffs round. He was so good at yeah. his shot on goal consistency on top of how yeah. fast and how hard of those shots he was ripping from the blue line. It was so great. It was,
1: it was crazy. Like, he was really good. I like him. Um, the other team that I, I do like, and I'll be interested to see how they do next year um, without Andrew Burnett on the bench uh, helping out as a top assistant, is the New Jersey Devils. Um, yeah. I think the New Jersey, they, they are loaded. They are loaded. with You want to talk about young talent. I mean, think about them. They've picked number one overall however many times in the last you know, five, <laughs> six years. They've had top five picks. They got Luke Hughes. They haven't even started with uh, Simone uh, Nemich, who they got second overall last year. I think Mm -hmm. he's going to get his shot this year. He was in the AHL. That's why they could part ways with Severson to the Blue Jackets. So, like, they're loaded, loaded, loaded. And, like, Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to see if if you like the modern style of game uh, and everyone seems to like it, you know, they can play it it's just a matter of whether they can kind of do it in the playoffs for a long, you know, stretch of time, but I think that they learned something in the playoffs. They're, they they I like them a lot. They they would be my favorites or one of my favorites, probably in the top 3 next year, I think.
0: I love it. And then I guess just to close this out since you brought up the Devils because I think that the Metropolitan Division is what stacked probably the best when it came to trade deadline acquisitions and um other cap movements that were taking place. Is this the best division in NHL right now?
1: Uh, the yeah the the Atlantic.
0: The Metropolitan.
1: Oh, the Metropolitan. Um, it's I don't know. I, I think it's close. It, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You look at it, and you got you got Rangers. Right, Rangers haven't really lost anybody except their coach. And then now they got yeah. um, Pierre Laviolette, who is an established. He's been to the Cup final. I mean, he's a, he's a great coach. I think you might agree with you on that one, you know, at least looking at <laughs> it on paper. Although I still think the Atlantic is pretty loaded, you know, when you're, anytime you're talking about that, like I'm a believer, I'm a full believer in the lightning. I know that they got moves that they got to make this off season and things like that. And I'm not just saying <laughs> I'm on your show right now. Um, no, I know. <laughs> you know
0: but like, like, look it's at true. it. Like,
1: how, how could you not love what they have as a core group? Right. Yeah. Like those dudes just produce. That's it, it, as long as they stay healthy. And if we can get, uh, if they can get Vasilevsky back on track, and I think that he's still young enough that can happen.
0: When that oh, yeah. guy's on,
1: it's almost impossible to get the puck by him, you know. Like mm-hmm. when, when any goalie's gonna struggle at certain times, but when he's on, you gotta like what you have there. Headman, all these other guys, uh, it's pretty amazing what they've been able to build there. So I, I don't downgrade them at, <laughs> I, until I see it. And and Coop, I mean, Coop, John Cooper is one of the best coaches in He's the He's brilliant. He's not the best, right? So yeah. I would not discount them at all. I think they're still an elite team. Um, Toronto, I think you still have to call them with all that talent, you still have to call them at their core base an elite team, at least as far as the regular season goes. I know you don't like them. <laughs> but, it, <laughs> uh, but it, they might it, be
0: losing their core four this summer though. So not that least I'm one sitting here on it. Yeah. yeah.
1: One of them. Um, it was Mackenzie Wegar was the guy that was the they oh. got traded with Uber, Uberdo. I was gonna that was gonna drive me nuts. It was Thank McKenzie you for Uyghur.
0: figuring out. Because I was trying to Google it at the same time, but I didn't yes, really Yeah,
1: it was, was Mackenzie Weger uh, which was, I mean, he's a fantastic player uh, as well. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, getting back to Atlantic, I mean, it, let's say the Bruins do it again, right? Like then you got the Bruins that you still have to deal with, even though they're getting older. Um, Detroit's kind of on the way up uh, a little bit. They're not there yet. Um, they were
0: a pain. And now having our former assistant coach, Newsy, over there, I mean, yep. there was games where they just had the Lightning solved, and the Lightning still produced quite well this past season. So I am kind of nervous about where the Red Red Wings yep. are heading.
1: And the Senators are another one. If they get like you know a, like good uh, season out of that, they're 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 talented and young. Let's put it that way. If they stay healthy, they're coming up there. Uh, who else you got that over in the in the? Atlantic? I'm trying to think over the top of my head. Those are the top three. Typically, you had Tampa, Toronto, Boston. Right. Um, who else is over? Oh, uh well, no, because the Islanders, Sabers, Rangers, Saber, Sabers, yes. Like, see, the yeah. Sabers are another one for me. The Sabers are another one that are, I can't believe I forgot them. Um, they're a they're like the um Atlantic Division's version of the dev or of the Devils. Like, yeah. you know, they're they're young, they're motivated, like they're they're I like them a lot, you know, and I think and it. To be honest with you, I'm I'm hoping some of these teams take the next step because I would like to see some new faces and new teams, and new names in the playoffs. Like it mm-hmm. was fun to have the Devils in the playoffs this year. You know, like they hadn't been in, in a while. I like seeing these new teams, you know, get in there and, and do a few things. You know, it's, it's yeah. fun
0: yeah and it was exciting to have that be kind of the headline and the frame of not only the playoffs but what turned out to be the Stanley Cup final between a young franchise team and the Vegas Golden Knights as well as the Florida Panthers kind of making their resurgence after 1996 but i think the overall encompassing idea of this upcoming season that there's a lot to look forward to there's a lot to not underestimate and we've seen how young teams develop you mentioned how there's guys that need to be uh, kept on close watch for the Columbus Blue Jackets, but I think that they're definitely going to top their record. I could see a little over 32 yeah. wins for the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's going to be my prediction for the okay. upcoming season. So We're we'll see if I can hold it. two. Yeah, okay. we'll see if they can hold two. Like, then a couple a couple weeks into the season, you and I will meet back here and chat about it unless I get a chance yep. to see you back down in Tampa. But other than that, Brian, thank you so much for coming here on Casing the League and sharing your insight, but not only about the players, the team, where this team is heading, but just your overall coverage. You can catch all of Brian's coverage over at Columbus Dispatch. And more importantly, follow us at Casing the League. That's K-A-S-I-N-G, the League, on Believe Network. Follow Believe Network and Believe Sports to stay up to date on all brand new episodes, not only on Casing the League, but up all other fantastic shows covering all sports across the way i am your host casey hudson joined by brian and until next time guys we'll catch you on Casey the league